0: This podcast is brought to you by the Canada Foundation for Innovation.
1: Welcome to the Innovation Now podcast. Today we're joined by Dr. Michael Houghton, Canada Excellence Research Chair in Virology at the University of Alberta. Dr. Houghton's research focuses on developing a vaccine for hepatitis C. Dr. Houghton, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you, pleasure to be here.
1: Before we get into your research, I'd like you to tell us a bit about hepatitis C. How common is this disease in Canada and worldwide?
0: Worldwide, um, there's around 100 million people infected with hepatitis C. In Canada, the estimates are almost 250,000 people are infected with the virus today.
1: And what happens to a person when they become infected with hepatitis C?
0: It starts off being a fairly harmless infection. Uh, But what happens over time, most people cannot eradicate the virus. Most people become persistently infected. And over the course of years, that can develop into severe liver diseases like liver cirrhosis and liver cancer, and in some cases, fatality. So it's a slow virus that slowly develops severe disease if left untreated.
1: So it sounds like something that people might not even be aware that they actually are infected?
0: One of the problems is that many carriers in Canada and worldwide are not aware that they're carrying the virus. And that is dangerous because the longer time goes on, the more chance there is of them developing serious liver disease. And in the case of liver cancer, even the most recent powerful drugs that we have available to treat the infection, it will not reverse the liver cancer.
1: So this can be a fatal disease then?
0: Oh yes, Uh, if left untreated, uh, around 5% or so of people will develop end-stage liver disease, which is fatal and uh, often requires a liver transplant, and of course they are limited in number.
1: And even if it's not fatal, is there a lot of pain and suffering associated with the disease when it begins to manifest?
0: Yes, around 20% of people that are infected will develop liver cirrhosis, and that often is clinically disabling. uh, Fatigue, pain, nausea, and um, become serious. Liver cirrhosis is generally a serious condition. And uh, from there, many of the liver cirrhotic patients develop liver cancer, which of course um, is fatal unless they get a liver transplant.
1: So are there any particular groups of people who are most vulnerable to this infection?
0: So back in the 70s and 80s, um, there was a huge risk of getting hepatitis C infection following a blood transfusion it was estimated that almost 1 in 10 Canadians that got a transfusion in the 70s and 80s would actually get hepatitis C. Fortunately, now we have blood tests to protect the blood supply, and now you cannot get hep C following a transfusion. Um, Today, there are up to 10,000 new infections of hepatitis C every year in Canada. 60 to 70% of those are in people who use drugs illicit drug use, sharing needles and other equipment for drug use. Other sources of infection today are um, exposure to body fluids. Um, Babies can be infected from positive mothers, for example. Males who have sex with other males are at risk for transmitting hepatitis C. And healthcare workers who are frequently exposed to blood are also at risk. So in total, Around 10,000 infections occur every year in Canada today, and we need to do something about that.
1: It, it sounds a lot like AIDS in the way that it's transmitted.
0: Yes, hepatitis C is transmitted uh, like HIV through, through blood uh, exposure. Uh, so it's a bloodborne virus, and any time there's blood transfer, uh, there's a high risk of hepatitis C if the person transferring the blood is hepatitis C positive, of course.
1: So I wanted to go back to you were saying how in the 1980s there was a large risk of transmission through blood transfusion. And that was in the 80s in 1989 that you and your colleagues discovered the hepatitis C virus. You actually identified this virus. Yes. I am curious. How did you find it? (laughs) And I know there's a large scientific explanation, (laughs) but can you boil it down in layperson's terms?
0: Well, let me just say, first of all, that We knew there was a virus um, causing hepatitis after transfusion, a bloodborne virus. We knew that in 1974, and it took 15 years to identify hepatitis C. My lab worked on it for seven years, fortunately not 15 years. The reason why it took so long to find is that unlike hepatitis A and hepatitis B, the amount of hepatitis C in patients is much smaller. You know, one of the way it persists so well in the body is that it's relatively low titer and it also masks itself from the immune system. So it was very, very hard to get a, a molecular handle on hep C. And that's why it took 15 years. The way we eventually solved it was, um, as you said, working with my colleagues, um, Quilim Chu and George Kuo, We basically did what would now be called a proteomics experiment Uh, and to try to describe it in as basic terms as possible, um, we used bacteria and we cloned every piece of nucleic acid from an infectious blood sample into bacteria. You end up with millions and millions of bacterial clones, each expressing a piece of nucleic acid in the infectious blood. And then um, you can persuade the bacteria to express that nucleic acid into a protein. And then what you end up is a huge proteomics library where you're expressing millions of different proteins that were originally encoded by the infectious blood. Then we took a gamble. We said, well, people that were diagnosed with non-A, non-B hepatitis, even though no antibody had been shown to exist against the virus, and even though no virus had been shown, we assumed that there would be antibodies to the virus. So we took sera from those patients, mixed it with the proteomics libraries, and argued and hoped and prayed that we would see an antibody antigen recognition. So at the time, it was a huge long shot. Um, We had been working on it for seven years, so we were getting rather desperate. And despite it really being a long shot, um, it actually ended up working. And after seven years, we got one clone that we were able to show was from hepatitis C uh, incredibly. It took us a long time to convince ourselves that it really was hepatitis C, um, but eventually we did it. It was an example of not talking yourself out of an experiment that you think is very high risk <laughs> of working. <laughs> so I've learned I've learnt from that. So I, ever since then, I take a lot of risks uh, in my experimentation and indeed took a lot of risk on hep C as well.
1: How did that affect the prevention and treatment of Hepatitis C after you were able to say, okay, this is the virus?
0: Yes. So once we had identified the virus and isolated it, um, we were quickly able to develop blood tests uh, to find out if a blood sample from a person, a blood donor or a patient, had antibodies to Hep C. So we quickly developed the first blood test for Hep C. And then in 1990, they were approved in Canada. And that immediately picked up many, many cases of infectious uh, blood donors. And that prevented post-transfusion hepatitis C. So in the space of a few years, we developed a number of uh, different tests for hepatitis C. Uh, Between 1989 and 1995, we developed three different antibody tests and one test for the viral RNA itself. So over the course of six years, um, we went from a situation where the risk of getting hep C from a transfusion went from almost one in 10 to zero. So it went from 10% to zero. So I think globally, our blood tests have prevented tens of millions of infections um, around the world.
1: That's fantastic. So prevention was one side. What about treatment? Did the discovery of the virus lead to treatments for hepatitis C?
0: The discovery of the virus eventually led to very effective antiviral drugs to treat patients. It took a long time. So from the point we discovered the virus in 1989, hundreds and thousands of researchers engaged in the, the work on, on understanding how the virus replicates and works. And the field over the course of 25 years eventually came up with very potent specific drugs targeting the virus that can now cure nearly all patients after one to three months of therapy. And these are orally available drugs. So now we have the ability to cure virtually everyone in the space of a couple of months.
1: Now that there are drugs, you can treat it, you can screen for it, you can prevent a lot of the cases, but now you're developing a vaccine. So if you can treat it and prevent it, why are you developing a vaccine for it?
0: Well, one of the problems is that we have very good drugs to cure hepatitis C individuals, but in Canada, not all the carriers are diagnosed. We estimate that only one half of the 250,000 carriers of the virus actually are aware of that so first of all you have to get people tested to find out if they are viremic so that's one issue the second issue is when you know you're a carrier you should try to get the drugs to cure you of course but the drugs are very expensive they started off costing one hundred thousand Canadian dollars per patient we hear now that the Canadian pharmaceutical alliance has got the price down in negotiations with companies to around $30,000 per patient we we guess so that's a big improvement but nonetheless given the number of carriers in Canada almost 250,000 it would cost the country in the region of 5 to 10 billion billion dollars to treat all of its carriers so we hope this will happen soon but the cost is an impediment as well as the diagnosis of the patients now we know that today there's getting on for 10,000 new infections every year in Canada. Now most of those are occurring in people who, who inject drugs. If we had a vaccine to give to those people, we would drastically reduce the incidence. And also if we gave the vaccine to those people most at risk, the drug users, it will be very cost effective. It will, be, it will save many hundreds of millions of dollars by vaccinating them, rather than wait until they get infected and then treat them with the antiviral drugs.
1: Right. That's for the Canadian population where we have drug users who are most at risk. But on the global context, um, in different countries and developing countries, what would a vaccine accomplish there?
0: A vaccine would be useful to many groups in Canada. IV drug users would benefit the most. But healthcare workers who are frequently exposed to blood need to be protected. Uh, as our grandmothers told us, prevention is better than cure. And while we have drugs to cure people, you don't want to get infected in the first place. So, healthcare workers would benefit from the vaccine in Canada. Uh, males who have sex with other males, we know, are at risk of infection, so they would benefit. Police officers who get involved in fights and bites, as we say, would have protection. Now, Canada is one of in, in some ways, it's a lucky country because its prevalence of hep C is quite low compared with many other countries of the world. In countries like um, certain countries in South America, China, Mongolia, the prevalence of hep C is much, much greater than in Canada and the incidence of infection is much greater. So a vaccine is needed globally. The World Health Authority estimates that there are one to two million infections every year of hep C around the globe. To stop that, we need to develop a vaccine. In general terms, what we've learned from infectious disease research over the last 50 years is that if you want to really control an infectious disease, you really need to develop a vaccine. Having drugs to treat patients is not enough. A classic example would be syphilis. We have no vaccines of syphilis, and yet today there are still big outbreaks of syphilis. We can treat them, uh, treat the patients with antibiotics, but there are still big outbreaks of syphilis within the community because we do not have a vaccine. And in syphilis, the drugs are very cheap, with Hep C, the drugs are very expensive. So we feel strongly that a vaccine is needed. Everyone in our field of Hep C feels that we need a vaccine. There's a popular misconception that because we have good, potent antivirals now to treat hep C patients, we don't need a vaccine. That is wrong. We do.
1: I'm curious about vaccines because it seems like vaccines have been around for a long time, um, that we all go and get our shots for our measles, mumps, rubella and everything. So from an outside perspective, people could say, well, why is it so hard to develop a vaccine? Don't you already know how to make a vaccine? So maybe you could run me through what are the challenges? Why is it difficult to develop a vaccine for hepatitis C?
0: It's been very difficult to develop a vaccine against hepatitis C for several reasons. Uh, One is you need to know if antibodies that you can generate through a vaccine can actually inhibit the infection, or as we say, neutralize the infectivity of the virus. And with hep C, even though we discovered it in 1989, we weren't able to grow it in cell culture until 2005. It's an extremely difficult virus to grow in cell culture even today. Really, there's only one strain that came from Japan that we're able to grow in cell culture efficiently. And we can play some tricks. We can make chimeric genomes from other strains around the world, but using the Japanese strain. In that way, we can get an idea of how a vaccine can generate antibodies to neutralize lots of different strains around the world. So being able to grow the virus in cell culture was one impediment to the vaccine. The second impediment is we don't really have a convenient animal model to predict um, human infection. We used to use non-human primates, the chimpanzee, but then um, that Really became impossible um, as of a few years ago. Uh, In the US, there's a ban on using chimpanzees because they're endangered. And so the lack of an animal model with a full immune response has really hindered the development of a hep C vaccine, also. And then I think, thirdly, it took us a long time to figure out, because of those two caveats I already mentioned, it took a long time for people in the field to figure out what are the correlates of protection. And what that means is what kind of immune response really correlates with protection in people. Now we feel we know a lot more about what kind of immune response is protective, and we're able now to recapitulate those protective immune responses by vaccination.
1: I think I read that some people who have hepatitis C and then their disease gets cleared, they can actually get the disease again. So does that mean it's more difficult to vaccinate against if having it once doesn't necessarily protect you against it?
0: So in terms of natural immunity, um, if a person gets infected, roughly uh, 20% of those people uh, will spontaneously resolve the infection without any drug treatment they have the ability to resolve and eradicate the virus on themselves. And we think that what is protecting them are neutralizing antibodies to the virus and what we call cellular immune responses to HCV-infected liver cells. Those tend to be very high in people that can spontaneously resolve the infection. Now, when those people that have resolved the infection once then see the virus again, we have evidence that they are relatively protected. They are unlikely to become persistent carriers when they encounter the virus a second time. So the method of vaccination then needs to be one that recapitulates those immune responses in those people. Now another issue with this is if you take a person that is persistently infected with the virus, their immune response obviously was unable to eradicate the virus. That's why they became carriers. And that's why they needed the antiviral drugs to cure them. What we know is that when you cure such a person, they are still susceptible to reinfection. And so we need a vaccine for two reasons. To protect people that are at high risk, that have not yet been exposed to the virus. And secondly, we need a vaccine to immunize people that have been cured of the virus. And then we want to try and reset their immune response so that when they see the virus again, they will not become chronic persistent carriers.
1: So how close are you, do you think, to developing a vaccine?
0: So we are working on a vaccine to hepatitis C in the Li Ka-Shing Institute of Virology at the University of Alberta. Uh, We've been researching it for seven years. And now we're at the point where we know what vaccine to make, um, we hope and we're in the process of manufacturing it now under what's called GMP. Uh, These are conditions prescribed by Health Canada such that the product can be used in clinical trials to to start testing the vaccine for safety and efficacy. So we're manufacturing the vaccine for human use right now at the University of Alberta. We hope to start clinical trials maybe the end of next year or early 2019. So it's, um, it's a wonderful environment in the Li Ka-Shing Institute at the University of Alberta because not only can we do research, we can actually then translate the research into humans by actually manufacturing the vaccine for clinical trials.
1: What sort of equipment or infrastructure do you have at the University of Alberta at the Li Ka-Shing Institute uh, that comes from the CFI that is helping you with this research?
0: At the University of Alberta, I work within the Li Ka-Shing Institute of Virology, also the Department of Medical Microbiology and Immunology. And over the years, specifically in 2002 and then in 2006, we received 35 million Canadian dollars for two CFI grants. And what they gave us is really state-of-the-art equipment to do virology, immunology and vaccinology. I joined the University of Alberta in 2010, and I really benefited from having state-of-the-art equipment to use in my research. Without that, we would not have been able to have researched the hep C vaccine and produced it. So, the CFI has been incredibly important. It has been key to our work on the hep C vaccine.
1: Now, you've dedicated your life to discovering the elusive hepatitis C virus, to trying to screen for it and now to trying to immunize against it. You're very close. What will you do after you successfully develop a vaccine? Isn't your (laughs) life's work finished at that point? Or what do you do next?
0: We feel that we need a vaccine to go alongside the diagnostics and the antiviral drugs to really effectively control hepatitis C in Canada and around the world so that is a major goal of our field it takes many many people i mean we've had hundreds if not thousands of people working globally on hep c and it's just amazing how much effort and how much training and education it takes to combat a single virus (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, there are lots of other diseases that are also very severe and very important. It's really amazing just how many diseases there are out in the community. There are diseases like inflammatory bowel disease, which is very common in Canada, and it's very difficult to control the course of that disease. There are so many diseases where we need more research and we need translation of that research into effective drugs and preventatives. It's really uh, mind-bending when I think how long it's taken thousands of us to get where we are on hep C, and yet there's many, many other diseases out there that are just as important. So there's plenty to do, and health research is absolutely vital to a healthy community, and um, we need more research funding.
1: All right, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add, maybe anything we haven't covered, or any points you'd like to emphasize?
0: The World Health Authority has targeted 2030 to eliminate hepatitis C. Now the definition of elimination is effective control and effective treatment. And Canada has agreed with those goals in 2030, but Canada has yet to make an action plan to achieve those goals. So there are many things we need to do in Canada to get to that point where we've really effectively controlled hepatitis C. We need to screen the baby boomers because we know that baby boomers have a much higher prevalence of infection than other um, age cohorts. We need to make the antiviral drugs that are very potent available to everyone. In some provinces in Canada, they're only available to people with quite severe liver disease. We need to give it to all carriers of the virus, because if we wait, some of those people will develop liver cancer, and we cannot cure that. Thirdly, we need to make the vaccine. And fourthly, we need to combine all of those things into an action plan in Canada to really continue the good work and to end up with really effectively controlling hep C.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been very, very interesting. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Find more research stories like this at innovation.ca slash stories and subscribe to the Canada Foundation for Innovation through your favorite podcast app. Also, please rate, review and share our podcast. It really helps others to find it.